Truth is the authority. All right, first thing, bring your A game because I'll take nothing less. I mean, we don't need more regulations. We need far less of them. We're going to have an open and honest discussion, but the numbers are what matter. The facts matter. Forget about the Republicans and the Democrats for a minute. Let's talk about the people. I've lived the American dream, and I want so many more people to be able to live the American dream. My show is what it says. It's common sense. We've jettisoned political correctness. It's principles and policies that work for everybody. I just want to talk about how to fix this country. The David Webb Show. Washington spending isn't all about the budget. It isn't all about infrastructure. It's also what happens every year when we have the debate over the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. So what's in it? What's needed? What's not needed? And well, let's break this all down with Kelly Vlahos, who joins me now. Kelly, Great to have you back on the show. Responsible statecraft and our money. What's in it? Thank you, David. This is great. It's an honor to be here again. So let's dive in together. $1.7 trillion for a plane that couldn't fly. Um, Navy shipyards. Uh, you know, Look, I'm a fan of R&D, right? Being the best, being the brightest, strongest. Uh, but... Uh, I'm always skeptical about our Congress. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's there are two things going on here. I mean, I think we can all agree that we need a strong, capable, cutting edge military for the defense of the nation. Um, But what we're overlooking most of the time when we engage in these budget debates is that we have been plowing taxpayer dollars into our military year over year, and they do have the best ships, the best aircraft. Um, They do have uh, cutting-edge technology, R&D. We have been been spending the money. What we're hearing from members of Congress is that it's never enough. But what we don't do is actually take a look at what's working – whether things are adequately budgeted for, um, whether there are redundancies. We know all that's going on. But the fact that the Pentagon has never passed an audit, they never had an audit until a couple years ago, and then they didn't fully pass it, tells me as a taxpayer that we have no idea whether our federal government is actually, whether the Pentagon itself is actually spending this money wisely. All we kept hearing for members of Congress is that we just have to push more money, more money, more money uh, at the at the department with no accountability as to whether it's being spent effectively. But the problem is when the rubber hits the road, these members, many of whom are getting tens of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions from the defense industry, will always err on the side of the defense department and and acquiescing to bigger budgets without doing their jobs in proper oversight. You know, I, I would, I, I have an idea as I'm listening to you. I get ideas because I learned to listen to my guests. Maybe worth examining someday. We'll start off air and 
work on this, how we could make the system work better. Your point about the congressmen and senators, right? If there's a defense industry component in my state and they make that widget or they build that ship from both ends of the spectrum, (laughs) they're going to be lobbied for this. And frankly, some of these congressmen and senators aren't smart enough to run their own homes, and yet they're making billion, multi-billion dollar decisions in a sense that, that affect this country on a number of levels. Let's start with the Navy. All right. Now, the Navy uh, has made some changes in recent years, multi-platform capable ships. The number is smaller. There is a debate going on, and I think a fair one in some ways, of what's the right uh, size, what's what's the right number above and below the waterline, and you know how that can be deployed to maintain force readiness. As you look at this, where's the Navy in this latest uh, debate over the NDAA? Well, I mean, I, and I'll be honest with you, you and your audience, I am not an expert in the minutia of the Navy budget. Um, I know that every single one of the services has been advocating for more money, for more ships, for more aircraft, uh, more technology. Um, My issue with the Navy uh, in particular is that the, the, the cost of each ship has gone up, up, and up because of the defense contracting situation. We have five major defense contractors who win every contract, whether they're in, and many of them are no bid contracts. They win every contract. They dominate the market. They dominate the, the vertical market so that every piece of that ship is somehow tied to that particular contractor. And so they are con- consistently overcharging for each project, each program. And so then we get these ships like the literal combat ship. And it ends up being decommissioned a few, a few years later because they want something different. And meanwhile, we're talking billions and billions of dollars for upgrades, for the ship itself. Sometimes they're not even finished. You mentioned the, 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 air, the aircraft that, that couldn't fly. We're talking about the F-35. Um, not even finished yet after 20 years. So, I mean, my problem, I, you know, I can't get into the specifics of what they're going to get, what they're not going to get. My problem is, is that they always come hat in hand to Congress as though that they, you know, that they're not going to get the job done unless they get more money. But they never hold the contractor's feet to the fire on finishing the job, on keeping to budget, not overcharging the American taxpayer. Like I said, I don't know if it's a bigger discussion or maybe it's an impossible discussion, but part of this sounds like the system that's in place to me. You know, is there an independent review structure of a project, right? Look, if you're running a business, right, I run a business, if you have uh, lenders and you have loan guarantors, they may put someone in who's an independent auditor. Their job is to make sure that their money's being spent correctly. And if not, they're going to say, let's get in the conference room and sort this out. And... It's not a matter of creating another agency, but 
the process here sounds flawed in many ways. It's, it's, it's flawed, and I, I believe it was designed that way. And I say that because I've talked to so many people over the years who have worked within the belly of the beast, who have been on the inside. And the way that the system works is that every component of this machinery, which, you know, we can call the military industrial complex, others call it the self-licking ice cream cone, is, is in gear to keep the status quo, to keep the contracts going, to make the contractors happy, to keep the program managers and the civilians and the personnel who are working on these projects uh, working, getting paid. And so coming in and, say, and having oversight and saying, hey, we could do this cheaper or, hey, that's not working. Why don't we go with this other contractor is like an antibody coming in and disrupting the whole process. And typically people who do try to do their job or feel like, hey, this is what I was hired for, you know, to, to get the best bang for the taxpayer's buck. They're the ones who get ostracized. They're the ones who get shifted to another part of the department. They're the ones who get ghosted. And this happens on a routine basis over and over on multiple, multiple levels, because you know how big the Pentagon, we're talking 30,000 people in Washington alone working in that building. And when people start realizing, oh, the culture demands that I keep my mouth shut, go with the flow and sustain the status quo, which is to make sure we're slushing this money around, making sure the contractors get what they want, the, the armed services get what they want, you know, keep your head down. Don't, I mean, I've talked to people who said they were actually rigging tests for the Star Wars program and other major programs that you and I have heard about, read about all through these years because they wanted them to succeed so badly because they needed the money to keep flowing in from Congress, that they actually rigged tests to make them look more successful than they already than they actually were. And that's happened with, with, with aircraft, with ships, you name it. Now, when you have a system that's actively rigging just to get money and not for the safety of our service members, not for the efficiency of the job, you know, that there's a problem, but this has been going on for decades, not just 10 years. We're talking, you know, throughout the entire Cold War. So let's do a little bit of a shift here. And it wasn't on our table, but it's related to this, obviously, within the NDAA, because we're talking about the equipment, you know, research development, what works, what doesn't, what needs review. At the core of all of this, no matter the service, is the warfighter the personnel and to to what extent it rarely gets any discussion for that matter the ndaa also includes funding for programs that are more specifically targeted to or affect the warfighter right the the navy petty officer the air force defender the marine whatever any other services out there so I forget the Army or else I'll hear from the Army guys and the Coasties. But mm -hmm. 
Right now, Kelly, and again, not on our list, but I'm going to throw a little curveball. You and I talk enough. You know, I'm good with a curveball once in a while. (laughs) I look at some of these provisions in the NDAA uh, that were offered, in this case, by Congresswoman Jackie Spire, who's chair of House Armed Services. I'm just going to read the top line because this is what they consider in Washington as part of what's important in the NDAA. Uh, Amendments. How to help Afghan refugees at high risk. Okay, there's a debate there once we identify the real ones. The role of military gender advisors. Enhanced TRICARE coverage of prenatal testing. Okay, that might have some fair points to be debated with the TRICARE system. And ethics requirements for DOD employees. And then they go into, if you go down the list, it's as if, We're trying to rework the military personnel. And this, you know, it's not about making it better. It's not, you're not answering the basic question for much of this. How does this make the unit better? Whatever Mm -hmm. you're going to do, how does it make the unit better? I got to tell you, just right off the top, military gender advisors being put in as a core within the core is not going to help when you're dodging bullets. Right, but it does help when you go back to your constituents, particularly if you're in a blue uh, district and a blue state, and say, look what I did. I put this amendment, and I got it passed through the NDAA. Isn't it great? I mean, I honestly, I hate to sound so cynical, um, but I'm not so sure how that is going to affect or make the unit better. I'd have to see, I'd have to honestly, David, see what the program is, see what their goals are. But to me, that just smacks of sort of political opportunism. <laughs> I want to score some points ahead of my, my reelection in the midterms. Well, she was aiming for 45 points. That's one congresswoman. You know, I I just, I'm 45 provisions offered by Congresswoman Jackie Spire. Yeah. I I mean, this is, I I went down the list. I'm not going to waste your time with it. You're too valuable to this show. But I mean, (laughs) this, this is. This, I mean, I, I don't know if she and Lloyd Austin had a meeting and they sat there and went, hey, let's get woke. But it just, it's ridiculous. And then, you know what, they right. don't deal with some things that matter, like military divorce, a big issue, you know, things that could be dealt with. Right, exactly. And then it gets subsumed, like other things that are important as well, like you mentioned, um, the ethics. You know, if, if I'm correct, that is addressing the revolving door, which has basically um, promulgated all of the criticism, you know, all of the the problems that I outlined when you have um, people leaving, you know, top officers leaving the Pentagon and going immediately into lobbying for a major defense contractor. You know, right now it's like they have a year cool off period and half the time they get around that by calling themselves consultants instead of lobbyists. So there's efforts to make a five-year cooling-off period. Then you talk about the revolving door going the other way, where you have people who were working in the industry, like, you know, Mark Esper was working for Raytheon before he became uh, Secretary of Defense. We need a cooling-off period of more than a year where they can start advocating for programs and contracts for their former employer. 
So he comes in and all of a sudden there's all sorts of stuff about Raytheon this, Raytheon that, Boeing this, Boeing that. And, 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 you know, so you have these people who are literally vice presidents of these companies now in top positions in the Pentagon E-ring. You think they're not going to be advocating for their former employer? So those kind of positions, um, you know, measures are very important. And I'm hoping it'll, I think it did pass, but will it pass the full package? You know, those are the things that should be important to taxpayers, not these little political sort of badges that are inserted so people can feel good, um, yeah. you know, ideolo- ideologically. You know, that's well, just, just gumming we... up the works as far as I'm concerned. Well, that maybe that is the point of it in some respects, to gum up the works. Kelly, it is always a pleasure. There's so much to dig into. Uh, maybe we can at least give them a framework to solve their problems, but they probably won't listen to us. Let's let's be fair. They won't listen to us. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate talking about it with you and being able to. Always. And it is always a pleasure to have you here. Kelly Vleo, Senior Advisor at the Quincy Institute. Quincy Institute and editorial director of Responsible Statecraft. How about we turn to those that do deserve our respect next? It is it's an important day uh, in America when we recognize those that have actually uh, given in some manner and given of their blood. Purple Heart recipients who will join me next. At, this is the Purple Heart Project, a national project that kicked off yesterday in New York and pays tribute to the sacrifice that keeps us safe. Uh, we'll talk to some of those Purple Heart recipients next.